0: Uh, Heavenly Father, as we come to your Bible, we uh, are amazed at just um, how many supernatural uh, things happened in such a short period of time. In just this one passage, we were read with things that not just amazed Mary, but amaze us. And we come this morning and we ask that you would cause us to be amazed uh, by looking into uh, the person who you are, our God, to looking at your works. Uh, to looking at your Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, as uh, most of you probably know, is a pulpit swap with Joel. Uh, He preaches his Christmas sermon there. Uh, I preach uh, my Christmas sermon here. In other words, we're taking a week off, really, and finding an easy way to do our job. Uh, But... um, Quite frankly, if it, you, you sort of look forward to this week, because not only is it a week off, but it's a Christmas and a chance to catch up uh, with different fellowship. Uh, but this year has been so busy, you can barely even think Christmas is already here. Um, we, we've spent a lot of our time really just locked up and uh, sitting around, but yet time has just rushed on, and um, Christmas really only hits us sometimes when we hear a song. Uh, It only wakes wakes us up, we're in a shopping centre or in a restaurant and we hear a carol. And we think, hang on a minute, it must be Christmas. These people are playing a different song to what they normally play. A commercial has jingle bells, a radio station plays a Christmas song and instantly we start to think we've got to get into the Christmas spirit. Well, Christmas in Luke's Gospel comes with songs. And you see, song after song... People find out something about Christmas and they just can't help themselves going into song and writing a song and singing a song. Uh, people burst into music and into praise of God when they find out that God himself uh, comes as man to visit uh, his people. Well, uh, Mary is one. And we're going to look at Mary this morning. And, and she finds out uh, that she will bear Uh, the baby Jesus, and uh, she's overwhelmed by the news. Uh, You would have picked that up in the reading, uh, and she decides to write a song. Well, what does she sing about? Uh, What can we learn? Well, the first thing that we learn is that Christmas teaches us to make a big deal about who God is. Uh, Mary writes this song, as I said, at the announcement of her soon-to-be pregnancy, and the catchy first line is found in verses 46 to 47. My soul, and uh, by the way, the passages that I'll be quoting will be from the New King James. Every now and then I'll go to the New International purely because it does a better job uh, in that verse. Verses 46 to 47, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Saviour. The song, we could easily say, is permanently in the top ten of all songs. Um, And you say, well, how can you work that out? Well, J.C. Ryle worked it out for us in the 19th century. He said, wherever the Church of England prayer book is used, this song is sung at every evening service. Uh, Now, even though Mary's song is brilliant, it's really brilliant theology, brilliantly she's able to summarize in a few words the great plan of salvation, the wonderful purposes of God, Um, yet in her conversation with the angel. You just can't help but think she's really a very ordinary lady. She's really just an everyday believer. Uh, She was governed quite normally by physical laws and by natural laws. Uh, She could not explain gravity, I suspect, but what she would know is if she dropped an apple, it would fall to the ground. She could not explain the wound healing system of the body but she knew that if she gets cut blood will come out and I suspect she knew that eventually it would dry up or coagulate, it would then form a scab and then eventually there'd be complete healing. Uh, She sort of got a sense of what everyday natural laws were like and she knew she was governed uh, by them. Uh, We are governed by the same natural laws and we live within these uh, natural laws. We're bound by them, quite frankly. And when something invades into our life that is nothing consistent with these laws or or, uh, not natural to these laws, uh, we instantly become suspicious. And quite frankly, for many of us, we'll just reject it out of hand. Um, So it is with pregnancy. Um, Pregnancy needs a male sperm and a female egg And uh, you need the two for conception in a mother's womb. And if pregnancy happens outside this pattern, uh, well, we find it uh, quite amazing. Today we call it a um, miracle of medicine. Uh, We find it to be quite extraordinary. Uh, Well, this is what was told to Mary. This is what would happen to Mary. Uh, This young virgin um, who's engaged to this bloke, Uh, Who she's met. Um, She's on her way uh, through the normal course of life under all the natural laws of the universe. And this angel, Gabriel, comes right in the middle of life uh, and says to her, Expect something outside the bounds of nature. Uh, Verse 28, read what Gabriel says. Rejoice highly, favoured one. The Lord is with you. Uh, Blessed are you among women. Uh, She's actually frightened. I mean, we're tempted to think she should be excited. Um, And uh, you'd be sitting there and thinking, well, God is close to me. Um, God is with me. God has chosen to favour me. God is blessing me. Uh, I wonder what this blessing is going to be. I mean, at this time of year, will it be a bit like Chris Kringle? I just choose the biggest box and hope for the best. Um, uh, but, but for her, she's frightened. And that's the common response when people come into the presence of God. That's the common response when people actually find out that God is coming close. Uh, the instant thing is fear and awe. And instantly, Gabriel steps in and says, we need to stop speculating, really. And he says, let me tell you what's going to happen in verse 31. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, once again, um, generally, uh, you might say Mary was probably a bit young. But nevertheless, it would have been her thought process that she will marry Joseph and she will have a child. And uh, for many, particularly for my wife, she sometimes wonders, is it more fun being married or more fun having the children? Uh, I suspect in this situation too, uh, the mum would have been, uh, as she heard the news, been thinking to herself, is this exciting? Uh, But it wasn't really for Mary. Why? Because she was unmarried. Uh, She was not shacked up with Joseph. uh, And uh, obviously she was a virgin. And she's sitting there thinking, how can I... Be pregnant. Notice her response, verse 34. How can this be, since I do not know a man? Uh, what an ordinary response! Very clearly, she's bound by the nature's, by nature's laws, by natural laws, by uh, those, uh, if you like, normal uh, activities of life. And when she hears something, is totally outside the norm, something supernatural, Uh, really knocks her off her feet. Now, now Gabriel had already uh, told her uh, that her baby would be a saviour and a great king. Uh, He would uh, have a kingdom that is forever, uh, and he would reign uh, eternally. Uh, But that did not help Mary process the extraordinary news that she received. Mary was really just a sceptic and a doubter. Um, Now today we've got labs, we've got medical procedures, and for us we would be less of a doubter in this situation. Uh, But in Mary's days uh, uh, there were no labs. Uh, They knew nothing of treatments like IVF. And so for Mary, uh, this was genuinely supernatural. Well, when you get supernatural news, uh, Gabriel works out she needs a supernatural biology class. And so verse 35, here you have uh, biology in the supernatural. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you, Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, at this point, I suspect if you or I were Mary, we'd be out of our mind. Um, At this point, uh, we wouldn't know whether to believe this or whether to treat it like all those emails we received from princes in Nigeria. Uh, But once again, Gabriel steps in. And Gabriel says, um, you you need to settle down. Uh, And he says to her in verse 36, words that she can understand. He says, now, Elizabeth, now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, who also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. So there's an example, your own cousin. She couldn't have a baby And now she will. Uh, Doesn't that comfort you? Uh, Can can you imagine looking at Mary's face at this point? Can you imagine the shock on her face? Uh, What's Elizabeth got to do with me? I I don't get what you're talking about here. You're actually going to tell me I'll be pregnant without a man. And so, once again, Gabriel has to dumb it down a little bit more. Look at verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Uh, Literally, if you go into the Greek, uh, he says something like this. He says, if God says it, it must happen. It cannot be impossible. Um, Well, over the next day or so, the penny drops with Mary. And um, once the penny drops, she writes a song. And the first line, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Saviour. And she refers to God with two words, doesn't she? The word Lord, and then later Saviour. And in just two words, uh, she gives us what is probably the greatest theological lesson Uh, that you and I need to know. Now theology, everybody, if you don't know, and it's a very simple lesson, theology is really a study of God. And uh, Mary makes what I think is the greatest discovery from a study of God in just two words. You you won't find anything better. In the first place, she teaches that God is Lord. Uh, He's the sovereign king of the whole universe. He's the creator of all things. He maintains all things. He directs all things. He governs all things. God has a purpose for every single thing. You're sitting there in your chair this morning and saying, why am I here today? The answer in the first cause is God. You're asking yourself, why do I belong to this family? The answer is God. You're wondering why you live in Australia and you don't live in another country? The answer is God is God everything that exists everything that happens uh, does so according to God's wisdom it it happens by his great power and according to his perfect justice and goodness folks there's no such thing as good luck or bad luck Uh, everything that happens happens because God is Lord of all But but you see, the way Mary says it in this first line, uh, she's actually saying it in loving submission. She's actually saying it in a way where she's actually saying, God is my Lord. Uh, I submit to him. And then she calls God her saviour. And once again she hits the nail on the head. Because what she's saying is, uh, God is in himself. Someone who just can't help himself but to save and to keep saving, especially sinners. It's in his DNA. Ever since the fall of Adam and throughout history, we have record after record after record of God saving his elect. I could talk about Noah, I could talk about Abraham, I could talk about Moses and the Israelites... I could go on with David and on and on and on and you would get the gist. Uh, very simply, though Mary is saying, you will never fully get a clear grasp of how embedded in God's DNA is salvation until you consider her little baby, Jesus, who's born on Christmas Day. Through him you will see that the saving nature of God in a clear way that you would never see in anything else that happened in history. Uh, you see, here you see God becoming man. Uh, here in Jesus, you see the infinite God entering into finite history. Uh, you see a baby who comes, who's helpless and grows up to be a man, to die to save men and women who have opposed God and who are rebellious against God. And he saves them from their greatest problem, the problem of sin. Now, if you are like me and you lived in Sydney in 2021, uh, you would tend to think that the biggest problem we have is Omicron or Delta. Uh, If you even spoke to people in churches around Sydney, you would think That was our greatest problem. Folks, here in the story of Christmas, we find our greatest problem is sin. Our greatest problem is death. Our greatest problem is hell. And Mary, in the inner part, she says her soul and her spirit, the very depths of Mary, sings out and cries out and belts out that she wants to make a big deal. She wants to magnify God uh, because he has dealt with this problem. Uh, Folks, what will you make a big deal about this Christmas? Uh, Tucker Carlson says this. He says, if you live next to someone uh, who only talks about a virus, it's time to move. Uh, Christmas teaches us in the first place make a big deal about who God is The second thing Christmas teaches us is that we should make a big deal about what God does. And that word magnify, as I said in the kids' talk, is like to enlarge. And you've got to ask the question how can I enlarge God? How can I make God bigger or better or greater? Uh, The picture uh, is obvious, really. You don't change God, God cannot change. God is totally perfect. What changes is me. And what she's saying is her innermost being, her innermost part of her, her soul and her spirit has now got God under the magnifying glass or God in the binoculars, hopefully, that work. And um, and now she can in her heart see God even bigger and greater and clearer now that she's got this picture of this baby coming who is the son of God who will be saviour and King. You see, at Christmas, through the incarnation, uh, it should be for us that we see God larger, that we see God clearer, that we see all His attributes. If you're studying um, at, uh, with Josh after the service on the attributes of God, you will see His attributes closer as you consider the incarnation. At the first Christmas, for Mary, deep inside her, uh, she saw this enhanced view of God uh, and she rejoices. And that word rejoice can literally mean boast. In other words, she doesn't just rejoice in her heart and in her mind, she boasts, she shouts out, she sings out and she decides to make a big deal. About God, and she wants everyone to sing with her My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Saviour. You see, this is what our Christmas songs should begin with. They should begin with adoring and praising God, Uh, they should start with God's character. This is what our conversation should start with as well in, at Christmas time. If people want to talk to you about Christmas, that's what we should start with. We should talk about God and how he is great and how he does great works for humble people like Mary and like us. Um, this morning on the radio as I was coming in, the first thing the lady said on, about Christmas was that it's a time of reflection on songs. And then she said it was a time for families. And then the third thing uh, she said, it's a time for conversations. You'll be pleased to know that was a Christian station and uh, you're sitting there and wondering uh, how markedly different it is to what the Bible is saying, what Christmas is all about. You see, this is the truth the truth of God coming as man that is supposed to fire up our insides. It's supposed to get us so excited on the inside that we see God so clearly as this sovereign God who can break all the rules of nature and who is so merciful that he can come to save sinners. And when we get so excited, we're supposed to say he is not like anybody else. There's nothing like anyone. Uh, This is what uh, that word holy is, isn't it? And if you don't see it in his character by just studying things about him in, say, uh, Josh's class later this morning, look at his works and see his works. And we find his works in verses 51 to 53, and let me read that. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones. He has exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. You get the point, don't you? He operates totally differently to everybody else in this world. He operates differently to the way we think and how we would like people to act in this world. He quite... Frankly, he confounds, he confuses the world when we look at the way he works. His works really reverse the trend of everything that happens in this world. We are encouraged to boast about our achievements, to build up our CV, to make sure we have this persona on Facebook. We are t- supposed to talk about our gifts and our abilities and if you can, whilst uh, people like me can't, but if you can, you can even boast about your looks uh, and we make a big deal about who we are. We get people to follow us and when people follow us and we are influencing people, well, we've made it. Uh, folks, God operates totally opposite. He says that's boasting, it's pride. And he opposes it. And literally, we're told, he sweeps it away and disposes of it altogether. Anybody who thinks highly of themselves, they're the first ones removed and not brushed under the carpet, but taken away and thrown away into the dustbin. Uh, When we set ourselves up on our own little mini-kingdoms, That we're the boss of, um, he brings those kingdoms down. Um, Anybody who will not submit to him and chooses to make a big deal about themselves will eventually come to grief. Uh, Folks, he lifts the low, he feeds the hungry, he discards the rich. Uh, This is not what our media does. This is not what our political parties do. Uh, This is not even what Christians do. Even as Christians, we sort of think to ourselves, if we get rich Christians, or Christians who like fine dining, or Christians that have achieved something in this world, and reached a place of power and we invite them and put them at the front and get them to speak that somehow it'll be popular and people will want to come and we'll get the numbers in because those people bring credibility to Christianity. Uh, Folks, the facts are that God doesn't need credibility from people. He doesn't need celebrities to validate him in any way at all. Uh, He's altogether different. All he will do is bring them down if they are so proud and so caught up with themselves. Uh, You see, this is what is meant by that word holy. This is what it means to be utterly different. His ways show us, his works show us that, that he is just so different because he actually reverses everything we even think of. And and, and Mary therefore calls him holy. Uh, Notice, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She sees this reversal. She noticed the trends are totally being swapped, because here God is choosing to come in an insignificant part of the world, in an insignificant town, to an insignificant lady, and... The baby who's going to be born, Gabriel's message says, is the son of God. Uh, The humble is going to be lifted up. Uh, Look at verse 8. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Now she would have been very aware that she's not in government. She's not a model. She's not on magazines. She's not... Um, you know, in any place of power. Yet God amazed her through this wonderful message of Gabriel. Look at verses 31 to 33. This is what would have been running around in Mary's mind. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, which means Saviour. They're my words, by the way. He will be great and will be called Son of the Highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now imagine if you were given the job. Find the mother of the Son of God. Who would you look for? Where would you start? Well, from personal experience, Mary's crying out and saying, uh, I would never have thought it would be me. There's no chance. Uh, She's aware that not only for her personal news, God has reversed the trend, but she's aware that through all of Israel's history, uh, God has worked like no other. He's brought down the proud. He's lifted up the humble. He's fed the hungry. He's discarded the rich. And at Christmas our minds should flee instantly to the fact that God is like no one else. He's holy. Uh, Minds tend to go to the love of God, don't they? They go to the friendship of God. They go to the kindness and the mercy of God and that he sent his Savior. Uh, Whereas Mary's first meditation is to the holiness uh, of God. Uh, And we must consider certainly the immensity and the grandeur of God Uh, And Mary did this as well in verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things uh, for me. And then uh, in her song in verse 50, she illustrates how God is good and merciful. Look at that. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Uh, You see, this is a very ordinary lady finds out extraordinary news that God has sent His son. And instead of singing about her pregnancy, instead of singing about love, happiness and what feelings uh, she had three weeks ago, she doesn't even sing about the problem of having to explain her pregnancy. All she can sing about is God. Mary makes a big deal about God and his works. Uh, Even when she acknowledges that she will be called blessed, she does not make a big deal about that. Instead, her song is full of theology, full of fact. Uh, At Christmas, folks, we should make a big deal about God and his works. And in the third thing we find from this song, at Christmas, we should make a big deal about God's promises. Uh, Now, the very center of Mary, the deep recess of her personality Uh, she was at this point now obsessed with God Um, she could not take her mind of God Uh, she longed for more of God Uh, and you would have to say to Mary, God was her addiction Uh, in him she found satisfaction Uh, in God she found joy, she found peace and comfort and uh, She could have just meditated in her mind, Uh, but no, Uh, she decided to sing. She decided not only to hog the magnifying glass or the binoculars to herself, she wanted everybody else to use it as well. Uh, She wanted them to look closer at this God. She wanted them to look clearer at this God who saves sinners. And she wished that they would long and linger at looking at God. And she knew quite clearly it would do them good if they just kept on looking to God. Um, But Mary's magnifying glass, we tend to see a magnifying glass or a set of binoculars as this very focused, looking at something very narrow. Uh, It it had a wider lens than we can actually, uh, uh, I guess, comprehend. Yes, she could see all of God's character at Christmas in the birth of Jesus. She could see his works and his great works in the coming of the Lord Jesus. But she could also see the promises of God fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. In this one announcement from Gabriel, she worked out that all the Old Testament promised uh, this little baby that she would bear. Um, Mary meditated and boasted of this fact and it was so exciting in the end instead of planning for baby showers instead of planning for baby's gifts instead of planning for the new room or all the mother's groups that she'd have to join Mary's boasting about God sending his saviour and she's boasting and so excited that God here will prove to the whole world that every single one of his promises will never fail Uh, verses 54 and verses 55. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. Uh, Now I'll paraphrase that and as I paraphrase it, I'm actually just borrowing predominantly from the versions that you're reading from in the NIV and it could say this, God has helped his servant Israel By lovingly and mercifully remembering Abraham and his seed forever. Just as he promised. Uh, And this part of the song teaches us quite clearly that Mary knew her Bible. Mary knew the scriptures. It, It teaches us that Mary knew her history. She was someone who was willing to know and learn and understand something about Abraham. And she would know that Abraham was called out of idol worship in Ur and brought to be one of God's people, to be even the father of that nation, Israel. She knew that Abraham was promised three things, land, children, and blessing. And she knew that when he was promised these things, he was promised three times. We read that in Genesis 17 this morning. And when we read it, we realized Abraham or Abram at the time was 99 years old with no kids, And God said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make a covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Once again, Abraham, like Mary, fell on his face when he came into the presence of God. But God kept on speaking and confirmed to him, "Uh, this is the third time you're going to be a father of many nations. At the same time, I want to change your name. I'm going to call you Abraham, God said to him and confirmed to him that nations and kings would come from his line. And eventually, he would be part of a kingdom that's everlasting. Uh, Folks, uh, now Abraham's family, if you follow history, had more downs than ups. Uh, It took 300 years before you saw things starting to look up with a bloke called Moses. And when Moses comes along, he brings Israel out of Egypt... And things are looking even better immediately after that because Joshua brings them into the promised land and it looks like everything's on the up and up until the judges come and it looks shaky again. And then at the end of the judges, you'd think Israel would be uh, hanging out for more of God. But instead they reject God and want a king. But this God who, who has so much mercy and so much what wishes to save his people, sends a king like David. And once again, things start to look up and up. You see how important the Sunday school is. You see how important it is to teach your kids Israel's history, to see the works of God, to see how God repeatedly, continually was faithful to his people even though they remained unfaithful. In great mercy, he would discipline them even for a while. But then it's like he couldn't help himself. He must forgive them and he must rescue them. You always see God's promises in a little hint in the life of Abraham all the way through the whole Old Testament. But for most of the times, things do look shaky. And by the time you get to Mary's day, 2,000 years later, it looks weak and pathetic. Uh, Barely a skeleton of what God had promised. Uh, And in one announcement, in just one instant, God turns it all around. Uh, And it seems as though for so many years God had almost forgotten his promises. Uh, But now Mary, in just a few words, has worked out that God will do everything he promised his promises will never fail. Everything he promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to David, to every single prophet uh, is all coming true in this little baby that Mary would bear. Uh, once again, let me read verses 31 to 33 and try and let this sink in. Imagine your Mary hearing, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord will give him a throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Uh, Folks, Mary makes a big deal of the faithfulness of God in her song. Uh, She realized that God always keeps his promises. Uh, God continued to rescue Israel, not because Israel were good, but because he was faithful, because he keeps his promises. He promised to save a people for his son and he will save every single one of them. And he will bring them to glory and he will bring his son the glory that he deserves. Mary could not stop singing about this. She knew that God had sent a son to be born in her womb. And as he would grow up, he would actually deal with not just the sin of the world, but her sin. And so Mary boasts and boasts and sings. Well, can I ask you again? As you're coming near to Christmas, what are you boasting about? What are you magnifying? What's the biggest thing in your mind? What are you making a big deal about this year? Well, deep in Mary's spirit, she made a big deal about God. She made a big deal about God's work and a big deal about his promises. May that be true of us this year as well, we ask in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for grace and help and pray that you would draw near And give us grace, uh, Lord, to uh, look to you at this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.